Well, welcome back for another edition of In Depth. I am your host, Spencer Lloyd, and we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in, for sticking with us. And again, In Depth is just one of two Kingdom Life podcasts that we have. The other one is our weekly uh, uh, sermon series podcast. So if you don't listen to that or you haven't checked it out, I encourage you to head over to iTunes or whatever your uh, preferred podcast source is and check that out. Uh, But as for today, I'm super excited. I think I say that with every podcast, but um, either, I mean, either it's true, which it is, or my guests just keep getting better and better, uh, which they do. I mean, I I know some amazing people, and so it really is my uh, pleasure to bring them to you. And today we have, from across the nation, Hunter Razzo. Hunter, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. You're welcome. Now, I got to make sure, because this is kind of the big question. I did say your last name, right? Correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay, it is Razzo. It's not yeah. Razzo or Rizzo or anything like that. Nope. It is It is Spanish, so most people think it's Italian and say, I've heard all kinds of things, but yes, you're correct. All right. Well, that's fantastic. Well, Hunter, um, like for the listeners, uh, Hunter uh, went to Indiana Wesleyan. He... Um, I met him when he was a student there, but I don't want to give uh, the listeners your history. I'd rather you do that. So I'm going to be quiet for a little bit. Just tell people a little bit about uh, like where you grew up, um, and I'll probably interject uh, periodically with some questions, but uh, really just give people some context for who you are, where you came from, and, and kind of what you're doing now. Yeah, for sure. So I was raised in Indiana. Uh, my family's actually from out west in Montana and Arizona. So we moved when I was real little to Indiana, um, spent my whole childhood there, um, kind of around central Indiana. It was like a raised on a farm, had a kind of a good Christian upbringing, I would say, kind of raised in the church. And um, yeah, I felt like, you know, everything that goes with that kind of Midwest, everybody goes to church mentality was there. And so um yeah, it was good. It was good childhood. I don't think I would have changed anything, but definitely wasn't uh, wasn't anything crazy or exciting about childhood. Basically, normal American Midwest life. I uh, worked on a farm, had friends, made some maybe not the best decisions, <laughs> and uh, really kind of just tried to make it through. Um, and wouldn't say I was anything of a leader until I hit college. Um, obviously as you said, I went to college at Indiana Wesleyan. Yeah. Tell us, and, tell us, well, I want to interrupt already because yeah, so cause something you said about like, you kind of grew up going to church cause it was mm-hmm. just kind of the expectation. Um, Absolutely. so, uh, how would you talk about your, your relationship with the Lord, um, mm-hmm. as a young boy? Like how, how Absolutely. Give us give us a little insight into that. Like, were you super mm-hmm. close with the Lord? Did you just kind of like know of Him? Yeah, <laughs> I would say my relationship with God uh, when I was a child was based upon my desire to like the things my parents liked, and so um, I knew that my parents loved the Lord, and so I did my best to to love Him. And to love him really for me was to do what he said. Uh, and there's, you know, there's parts of scripture you can kind of understand that, you know, the one who loves me will do my commands, you know. And so I, I really kind of thought that was the extent of knowing God was to literally just do what he said. And so 
as a child, my relationship with, with God was really marked by doing my best to do the things that God said were right and to not do the things that God said were wrong. And if I could do that well enough, that meant I was like knowing God really well. All right. Um, and so by, so, by the yeah. things like do the things he said to do, don't do the things he said not to do. Is that like read your Bible, go to church, he said to do, and don't yep. do drugs and don't kill people? So, I mean, it's the typical go to church, make sure they're every Sunday. If you miss it really kind of your relationship with the Lord is based pretty much on whether or not you can get to that pew on Sunday morning. Wow. And outside of that, don't drink, what is it? Don't drink cuss or chew or go with girls that do. <laughs> and I love, really, I love that. <laughs> I was, I was pretty decent about actually getting to church, but my life outside of it did not match the other one. And there was holes in my heart and really just longings for something deeper that I really just tried to fill with people's appreciation. And that led me into a whole mess of trouble, uh, whether that's really seeking after girls or just trying to impress the crowd. And, and, you know, that obviously leads you into a mess of things when there's nothing to do but to hang out with your friends and to drink and things like that. Really, anybody who's 17, 18 years old should not be doing. Um, but really, it's just based on this desire to be known and really to be heard. And yeah. I felt like to have that was that I had to do these things. I had to prove that I was man enough to hang with the older guys. I had to prove that, you know, I was just one of the boys. Well, and, do you think you that – I think that what you just described is like the quintessential existence of so many – 17, 18 year old boys, like at least in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Um, for you, uh, cause I can speculate. I mean, I, I even relate to that with that to a certain extent, but like for you, do you, do you think that that need to do those things or that desire to be seen by other people, was there something behind that? Was there something missing? Do you think that it was mm -hmm. the, the like deficiencies in your walk with the Lord that led you to look for those things in your peers? Yeah, absolutely. There, I think the Lord has purposely placed a hole in my heart that can only be filled by his word. And I don't mean the Bible. I mean like actually hearing his voice and listening to what he says about me personally. And until I grasped that, I was lost. I really was. And I would tell people, even non-Christians, that my life really is so intimately wrapped into the voice of the Lord that without his voice, I really – I don't know what's up and down. It's literally – I honestly feel that the core – that at the core of who I am is so intricately wound into his voice that if I don't have his voice, I really don't have much of anything. That's so – that's – uh that's so important. That's so good. Um, but I think I've kind of skipped ahead because uh, if, if I know anything about your story, y y the truth that you just uh, the, that you just expressed there wasn't something that you came across until mm -hmm. later in your life. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, so let's fast forward. So you graduate from a Midwest high school. Uh, mm -hmm. what, what brought you to Indiana Wesleyan? Why did you choose Indiana Wesleyan? <laughs> yeah, I had one... Um, older man from the first church that I had been to when I was a kid who uh, had suggested it because um, I wanted to be an artist. That's kind of my mom's side of the family. We're all artists. 
So I wanted to be an artist, but I also felt like um, something my dad always taught me was that you also need to make money because <laughs> I don't want you to have to work uh, your hands to the bone because that's what he did for you know, that's when that father still does is work so hard and use his hands. And you is, know, he's, is he flip houses? Do, is, do I remember yeah. that? Okay. Yep. And he's still like right now, I mean, he's just sore all the time. So he kind of beat it into our heads from, from young that we really need to get like, get the job that you don't have to work your body so that when you have kids, you can actually like have energy and stuff for them. And so I don't know, that kind of put me in a place where I had the value for both, um, for working hard, but also, you know, I want to, do something that where I don't have to work my hands to death. And so that's where I went to uh, Indio and Westland knew it was a good Christian school. I knew coming out of high school that, uh, had I gone to a regular school, I would have got lost in the parties. I felt that. Uh, and, and now I see that, you know, that would have been like my inner man kind of knew that it, at a secular school, I really would have got lost and I would have continued the path that I was heading. Yeah. And so the Christian school was one, I think, to make my parents happy and two, um, and looking at now, my parents would have been okay wherever I went, but I knew that I would have got lost. And, and so that's really why I chose the Christian school because I needed a safe place. And so that's oh, basically why I ended up at Indian Westland. You, you, the, you cut out there just for a second. You said you needed a safe place. Yeah. I mean, that's basically it. Like I just needed a safe place okay. to be. And so, um, that's kind of what Indiana Wesleyan felt like. It was really the only school that I applied and luckily I got accepted because <laughs> I honestly didn't apply anywhere else. <laughs> that's brave. And I think now, I mean, I could have gone other places. The Lord still would have captured my heart. I, I believe my, be- my destiny is t- big enough, you know, big enough that the Lord, you know, he has a desire to find the people. My sure. story would have been more difficult though. And I, I really believe that my, uh, yeah, me becoming who I am really would have taken a lot longer. So that was definitely the Lord. That's cool. So, okay, so then you come to Indiana Wesley and you are an art major. Mm-hmm. Um, what what specifically, like I know that you do, did, photography, is that what you uh, focused so I on? I did graphic design. Graphic design, okay. Mm-hmm. And that was partly just wanting, I think I wanted to actually just be like a, I don't know, painter or sculptor or something like that, but. I knew that their income was could be spotty, and so that's really why I chose graphic design because I knew it was, could be commercialized and that kind of stuff. Okay. And then uh, half halfway through my freshman year, I began to get this sense that the Lord was calling me into ministry. There's more behind this, my whole restoration process and all that. I'm sure we'll get into that, but um, ended up adding Christian ministry. So for I think three of the four years, I was half Christian ministry, half uh, graphic design. Okay, so let's just go ahead and talk about that right now because um, like I want to know when the shift happened mm-hmm. uh, from my maturity as a Christian is based on whether or not my butt is in the pew to mm-hmm. my maturity in the Christian as a Christian is like how well I know and am known by my father. So like yep. talk about when, when did that happen? And I know it's hard to, I mean, maybe there is a moment and I, and I want to hear mm-hmm. about that moment, but also for so many people, it's a process, right? Um, mm-hmm. it's not just like everything changed in an instant and, and we yep. celebrate that and we love it when that happens. But I, I would say that that's probably the minority of, of the people yep. where it happens in an instant for most of it's a process. So talk to us mm-hmm. a little bit about, about that, that transformation. 
Yeah, I mean, I would still say process. Uh, there's there has been moments that have been transformational, um, so I'll hit on those. But it's really that process starting that freshman year of me moving away, and then that really that Sunday Sunday morning coming up and having the option to sleep in. So you have the option to not go to church, and then there's other things like at IWU uh, we had the well on Monday nights. And so that was just a worship night. Like there was literally no requirement for it. You got nothing out of it except yeah. being there. Um, but you know, I was calling myself this thing. I was calling myself Christian and I already, you know, three weeks into my freshman year was seeing the way that my friends from high school were going. And I figured like, okay, I need to figure out what this is that I'm calling myself. And I need to figure out if I actually believe it. Mm. I don't think I would have said that. I think and now looking back, I kind of understand that process more. But in those first couple of weeks, I had to make that decision. Okay, am I, I'm either going to go to church and I'm actually going to like seek the Lord or I'm just going to quit this thing because this is a lot of work. Like if, if this isn't, you know, if I can just be mediocre, then I'd need to stop wasting all my time spending all this energy on that. Yeah. And within those first few weeks, uh, there's a few people that were seniors at IWU uh, that just randomly kind of connected to me. It's obviously not random, but they, uh, for some reason, just thought that I was a junior. And so they started talking to me and hanging out, trying to learn about who I was. And it wasn't literally, I, I honestly think it was, wasn't until about a month before we had finished my freshman year that a lot of them found out I was only a freshman. Wow. <laughs> I don't totally understand that happened, but they just started inviting me things that they had um, started to experience. They all actually spent the first three years um, just kind of in brokenness. They were in the parties. They were doing um, just whatever everybody else was doing. And then uh, their junior year, revival hit them. They started seeking the Lord. They began to learn about his voice. Um, And so they kind of just threw me into that. I didn't really understand it, but I, I, knew that they were different. And so I followed them. Now, were these and people, then, um, were these people affiliated with the well, with kingdom life church? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Mostly the well, um, most of those people started in uh, connection to the well. I don't think I, I went, the first time I went to kingdom life was with Nathan Benefield. Um, and I met him in connection with other people that I had known from the well. Okay. And really, I, I think I went to Kingdom Life first time um, because they started talking about hearing the voice of the Lord. I didn't understand what that meant. And so I was like, well, you know, what better time to figure out whether or not these people are just crazy or whether or not this is real? Because <laughs> that's really, I knew, I really knew, like, if this is real, this could change my life. If yeah. it's not, then I can give up. Yeah. And so one of those first times I went to Kingdom Life was one of the transformational moments. And I can remember James was talking from the front. And uh, he just asked us all in worship to just take a moment, ask the Lord what he says about us. And as I was sitting at the pew or at the chairs, um, I remember I was down on my knees, really just like pleading with the Lord, like, okay, if you're real, like I really love for you to talk. And the very first picture I ever got from the Lord, um, I was, I saw this bee and it uh, had come to this first flower and it received pollen from it. And then it went on to the next and it, the bee didn't look back. But I saw behind the bee, there was just this like probably like three, four thousand bees just following it. And it was doing the exact same thing as that first bee. And the Lord said, you are that first bee um, and you're going to be like a leader of many. And what you do, people will replicate. Wow. 
And so I had with pretty good certainty that that was the Lord after I had like talked to other people about that, what I saw. And so that was really the first thing that just started to stir my heart. I was like, okay, this doesn't make sense. This is crazy. Everything that I ever known is kind of shook now. And I have to actually reevaluate what I even know about who God is Hmm. because I didn't understand about his voice. And so the fact that this person that died for my sins will actually talk to me today totally changed everything. And it was really those first few weeks and that introduction to hearing the voice of the Lord it just changed the entire course and directory of my life. If honestly, I believe if I didn't end up going to kingdom life, um, I honestly don't know where I'd be like, definitely, definitely would not be where I'm at right now. Wow. Yeah. There's no chance. I mean, voice of the Lord and that changed everything about where my destiny is headed. That is so cool. Um, Okay, so you had you had this moment of transformation. So where you're at on the floor at Kingdom Life, you you see the bee. Which, knowing what I know about you now, I love that I can even see the truth of that word from the Lord mm-hmm. um, in in your life. Just for as long as I've known you, which is mm-hmm. what like five years probably. Yeah, um, that's really cool. So. Okay, so you're at Kingdom Life then. You, obviously, you, you know, as you just indicated, you say, okay, th- there is something to this. Um, mm-hmm. And you start, uh, I mean, what was next for you? Were you like, oh, cool, God speaks. Mm-hmm. Um, now I can hear his voice and I'm an mm-hmm. amazing Christian. Or, you know, I think what was the process yep. for you? Yeah, the next thing was people calling me out as a leader because um, I'd never seen myself as that. I had a pretty high level of like shame and condemnation over myself, strongholds of uh, really just the enemy accusing me. Of course, somebody who's called into leadership is going to have that. Yeah. Um, that lie that you're not worth anything, you have no value, that – yeah. And I feel like there's going to – even people are listening to this podcast that, that lies over them that they really honestly feel like – Oh, I'm really not worth anything. I wish I could be like this person. I wish I could be like that. And it's just a lie of the enemy. Like wow. if you feel that way, good chance that the truth is that you're a great leader. You have a strong voice then it needs to be heard. Yeah. So I don't know who's going to be listening to this, but I even feel right now that like you're listening to this and that's resonating with your heart. Spray in Jesus name. That would actually just like start to shift right now in your inner man. Uh, you would literally just start to believe like, no, I don't believe the lie that I'm not worth. And I do believe that I have a voice. That's beautiful. I um, love that. Yeah, um, but I, and I, yeah, and I love that you just uh, followed the Holy Spirit and did that right then. I'm going to have you mm-hmm. actually at the very end of the podcast, I'm going to have you pray again um, and just whatever the Holy Spirit puts on you uh, to share. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, the language that I hear you using, um, and I think it's important to distinguish for the listeners is that yeah. you're talking about like the truth of what the Lord says. So for you, yeah. the truth of what the Lord said was that you're a leader. Although the facts of your life circumstances maybe <laughs> never indicated that you were a leader, yeah. the yeah. truth of the word of the Lord was that you are a leader. And yeah. you know the truth and the facts don't always line up, and that's, that's right. why it's so important. Just like just like you said at the very beginning, um, understanding that uh, our destiny, our future, our calling is so intimately. Uh, intertwined with and connected with the the voice of the Lord uh, cannot be overstated because it's in those moments when the facts 
look completely opposite of what the truth is, that we have to we have to get quiet and hear the voice of the Lord to find out what the truth is that he's speaking over mm-hmm. us. And I think that that's, I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, uh, mm. wow, this is so good. Um, so you're, you're at Indiana Wesleyan and at Kingdom Life now. Um, you've been hanging with these guys. These guys graduate. So what happens? Did they pass the baton to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of those guys were juniors. Um, one of them was Nathan, uh, the man who took me to Kingdom Life the first time. And he ended up actually staying for a fifth year, which was awesome. So we got to spend more time. He was a key part in me, like actually stepping forward in some of this stuff. But, um, a few of those people are actually graduating. One of them who was leading the well would come back every once in a while, kind of check in on what was going on. He was a pastor in Kentucky and he ended up, uh, kind of being like one of my spiritual fathers. Uh, he actually like ended up even, even to this day, I would say he's somebody who I look to for wisdom, discernment, guidance. And, um, he really, men like him have like poured into my life and, uh, really just called me out. Like, no, that's like, I know who you are. Like, do you, I, he always tells the story. I don't know if this is actually the way that it happened, but <laughs> he remembers it like this, that we were at the well. It was one of his last Sundays that he was, or last Mondays that he was preaching and he's going around telling people, he's asking people like, do you know how much you're called? And everybody's like, no, no, no. And then he like points at me. He's like, Hunter, do you know how much you're called? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I love so I think it. I literally, I had just gotten this, this picture of the bee and I had gone to the well the next time. And I'm like, yeah, the Lord just told me. So I'm like, Yes. <laughs> and so from that moment, we really had a connection and even to this day still do <laughs> of just like being able to be cheering each other on. And we've both really gone through hard seasons together and the voice of the Lord has literally guided the both of us into like more breakthrough in life. And so um, I'm trying to remember what your actual question was. But. No, I, I think that's great. Uh, just in terms of like the process of you moving into becoming a leader. Um, mm-hmm. And so you led the well, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so that was, yeah, that was a little bit later, but I would say becoming a leader, I had to understand that I was a leader before I actually stepped into that. Yeah. The people that were leading luckily had a, had enough wisdom on them that they knew you need to know who you are before you're, telling people who they are. Hmm. And so I had to wrestle with that facts versus declarations. And I was just listening to someone on uh, last Friday. They said facts um, are not eternal. They're actually uh, can change due to evidence. Hmm. And uh, the word of the Lord is a declaration. Declarations are based on eternal truth. And so I had to wrestle with that difference of facts that were based on things that were seen, but could change. Yeah. And declarations of the Lord that were based on eternal truth. Wow. And so me becoming a leader stood on this, uh, this signpost of me re- either agreeing with what I was seeing with my physical eyes, agreeing that this is everything that is real. Because you can be in your circumstance, everything about you. Your house can be on fire. <laughs> but if the Lord says that you're going to be alive, then you either have the choice to sit there and burn or ask the Lord what to do next and yeah. agree with the word that you're going to be alive. Yeah. I love that. And so that's what it was. It was, it was okay. I recognize my circumstance does not look like I'm a leader. I don't feel like I have qualities of a leader, but this is what you've said. And so I'm going to press into you and chase after this thing. Benny Leapshire says that if you receive a word of the Lord, it's honestly like you're, you're carrying a child to full term. 
Like, am I actually going to do the things that I need to do to step into seeing this thing come, like come to full, full life and full fruition? That is, that is such a great thing. And it's, I love that I'm hearing you say that because, um, that's actually one of the things that I feel like the Lord has highlighted, um, in and Mm -hmm. around me as well is that I love to give prophetic words. I love to receive them, but if all we're ever going to do is just like keep a catalog of all the great prophetic words that we've received, but never partner with them to see anything actually become a reality in our lives, then I feel like uh, to some extent, it's actually, it's kind of like an, like an affront to the Lord. It's an insult Um, because you're saying I've like, I value the word of the Lord enough to make me feel good, but I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't trust it enough to do anything with it. Yep. And uh, I feel like that's just a really dangerous place to be. Um, You know, I mean like the Lord wants us to be proactive. Now, there's a balance too, because you know, you can do things out of season. Um, yep. but, but like you said, and I think it, I love that you actually started this podcast with this thing. That's why like the, the immediate voice of the Lord and hearing what he's saying about you is so important because yep. it's in those moments when you're, when you're trying to discern about seasons and times that you, you just ask him and he will yep. be faithful to answer. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, uh, you, you, You've been you're being shepherded. You're transitioning into leadership now. I know that a big part of your story is a ministry called Catalyst, and mm-hmm. so I'd like to hear you talk just a little bit about that. I mean, big enough. Like I know that you're talking to me right now uh, from Tacoma, Washington, and you yeah. know I'm sitting here in Marion, Indiana, and uh, so talk talk a little bit about uh, Catalyst, uh, the influence it had, like um, mm-hmm. like maybe give me two or three like huge things um, or maybe they were small, but had a huge impact uh, yeah. of, of catalyst ministry and like how it has brought you to where you are right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the start of it is even kingdom life really is kind of a byproduct of the church that I go to now. Yeah. Well, before, even before, I guess I want to interrupt my first question with this. Tell tell the listeners maybe a little bit, or or in your answer, explain mm-hmm. a little bit about what Catalyst actually is. Yeah, totally. So Catalyst is, uh, at least at the time when I was doing it, was a three-month, uh, the portion that I w- did was a three-month um, missionary intensive where you kind of get to learn how to be a missionary, kind of test the waters. It's It was kind of like a YWAM DTS, if anybody's familiar with that. Those are obviously like six months with like a three-month outreach. This is a three-month, so like three-part, dive into prayer restoration and missions. So learn how to pray. You learn how to get restored and you go out, you do it. And so for me, um, I had done that the end of my sophomore year. And so this was obviously me kind of already starting to go into leadership, but really was still pretty broken. Um, Some of the effects of uh, trying to impress everyone is that you end up getting a lot of baggage, a lot of regret from things you've done. Uh, yeah. really just p- habits, pathways, stuff that just like, isn't good. Yeah. A lot of stuff you pick up. And so that restoration part was really key for me and that it allowed me to begin to see, okay, the Lord calls me into this destiny. Part of actually, uh, carrying that word to full term 
is that you have to actually begin to become like the Lord if you're going to do the things of God. Yeah. <laughs> and so becoming like the Lord is to be holy as he is holy. And that restoration process looks like breaking off a lot of junk. And so there's stuff that was coming in, uh, that, was, that was carrying in two catalysts that was just rock, uh, broken off by uh, something we can just call inner healing. Uh, yeah. The Lord... Well, and I want to point out, too, that like sometimes this junk that you're talking about, it's not always stuff that like necessarily that we've picked up. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like I and it's not always things that people have intentionally made choices. And then the, the junk that they're carrying is a result yeah. of their choice. Right. Yeah. I'll give you I'll, I'll just give you like um, probably like my top five, like strongholds and curses. And that'll probably, I think illuminate this a little bit for anybody who's listening. So the top five things that were kind of against my family, against my family line would be, uh, addiction, uh, womanizing, um, failure to com- go, failure to go all the way. I'll explain that in a second. Um, passivity. And then, uh, what would the last thing be? Uh, probably fear. And so, um, some of those things were generational curses in that um, if you look at my family line, you'll see that like as we go back through generation to generation, there's strong alcoholic tendencies um, in my it, like further back family. There was literally just like husbands who were completely unfaithful to your wife um, just over and over again, all these things. And there's literally in the Bible, it says that that curses go from generation to generation and blessings go from generation to generation. And so luckily my father broke a lot of these curses off all of these generational patterns of alcoholism, all these kind of things. He, he literally stood up and he became the man of God that he was supposed to be. And he broke these patterns of alcoholism and addictions and all these things that I'm so thankful for that I'm not carrying these. And yet he could only go so far, you know, he did yeah. his part. But then it was my part to take it up and do the rest. And yeah. so the next thing was this this piece of passivity. And so I didn't understand that at the time, but passivity was really – and honestly, I think even now I'm, I'm really like starting to turn the corner on it where I think passivity is coming to a place of death in my life. But passivity, it looks like um, you might do a really good job of doing the right thing, but really to raise a child – there has to be that extra step of encouragement and life giving life bringing that is, is past passivity. Passivity will keep, will keep you in that spot where you're like, well, I did enough. I don't need to go that yeah, extra step. I kept my child alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're which not dead. Is, so that's you know, good enough. Which is the mentality for the last, you know, however many years, but it's that pouring into the reality that you realize that the people that are under you don't need to just be alive. They need to live. And so, Breaking that off, um, breaking off addictions, uh, patterns of womanizing, lust, those kind of things. Um, breaking off lies. I think I even at one time just had this lie that I would never be married, that I wasn't worthy of having a wife. And obviously that's not true now. Wow. I've realized I've been with my wife for almost three years now. Yeah, and she's amazing. Happy, her name's, and just healthy. for the listeners, her name's Miranda, and she's yes. amazing. And uh, I'm going to have to schedule a, a podcast interview with Miranda yes. so we can get her story as well because yes. uh, I, she has a pretty amazing story too, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, both of our processes are a little bit intertwined in that um, 
you know, it's of the Lord that your, your future spouse would be, um, kind of your restoration and the Lord showing you like how good he really is. Like, I don't deserve my wife and she doesn't deserve me. Like there's, <laughs> there's just that beauty in that. Like we don't deserve each other, but like, praise God that, you know, he's faithful and kind to show us that in him we do. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, what was, you know, the final ones just fear that fear of like, oh, I'm never going to measure up. I'm never going to like do enough. And part of those processes for the listeners, like what that looks like to step out of it is you recognize that thing of passivity and you say, no, like I bind you passivity. I don't give you space in my heart anymore and actually replace you with the truth that I'm a man of action or a woman of action. And I, I step forward into a new day. The Lord calls me a person of um, progressiveness or something of that nature, yeah. really replacing that lie. Yeah. So yeah, part one of Catalyst is just, breaking off the stuff that's holding you back that's so stuff cool. that's not true of your identity and coming into the, to the new identity of who the Lord's made you to be. Um, and Adam, uh, Narciso just re- is releasing this book right now. It's called a uh, new identity. And it's really about that process. It's really, I, from what I've read so far, it's essentially callous in a book and it's available. And so it essentially does that. It shows you a little bit of like the crap that you're holding on to how to break it off, and then, okay, how are we stepping forward into new life and new identity? Because the me, lie... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say the lie of the church is that we should just be getting by. We should be children of God who are just making it and who aren't dying, yeah. which is not obviously true at all. Yeah. He says, I, uh, his plan for us is that we would have life and life more abundantly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, like you said, not just scraping by. Um, yeah. and so, okay. So in this process and, and answer this question really quick, and then we're going to take a quick break. But so yep. this process of identifying these, these, uh, lies, these strongholds, these curses, um, was that fun and easy or did it hurt sometimes? Yeah, not fun or easy at all. Um, some some things are easier than others. Some things that are not as deeply rooted. It's different for everybody, just depending on your story. Yeah, for sure. It's worth it. And so it's kind of like you're climbing to the top of a mountain to see a beautiful view. It's mm. actually not going to be awesome. The step you take is getting you closer to that point where it is worth it. And when you get to the top, you're at a new level. You get to see new things. You have clarity of vision. And it's not like you're stuck down the bottom where you're just walking through trees. The difference is really that you're at a new place and you're able to actually see what's ahead instead of you really just kind of trudging through the junk. It's the scheme of the enemy to keep us in that place where we can't see ahead. We're just trying to make today work. Then we'll have no vision or clarity for the rest of our lives. So not easy, not fun, but always worth it. Yeah, that's so good. All right, well, like I said, we're going to take a quick break. And after that, uh, I'm going to ask Hunter to tell us a little bit about what he and Miranda are doing now and getting ready to do. They've got some exciting stuff coming up, so stick around. We want your feedback. Do you have questions about a Kingdom Life sermon you heard recently? Or maybe you have a topic suggestion for the monthly in-depth podcast. If that is you, please send them our way. Submit your thoughts and questions to us via Instagram, Facebook Messenger, or you can email them to spencer.kingdomlifechurch at gmail.com. Of course, 
You can always feel free to chat with us on a Sunday night as well. We look forward to interacting with you, and thanks for listening to In Depth, a special edition of the Kingdom Life Church podcast. Okay, well, we are back, and I'm here with Hunter Razzo, and uh, I hope that you guys have been enjoying this. There's been so much gold in this conversation so far. Um, and so I was just uh, talking to Hunter uh, before we started recording again, and uh, I, I was asking him to just tell you guys a little bit about uh, where he is now. So he and his wife live out in Tacoma, uh, Tacoma, Washington. It's like the hipster capital of uh, the world. It's, <laughs> it's super cool. And I mean, if you knew Hunter and Miranda, they're, they're like way hipster as well and just <laughs> super cool people. Um, but, uh, I mean, well, I was going to tell people like, yeah, at their wedding, they had like, I mean, Hunter wore sus- like leather suspenders. How, I mean, <laughs> how cool is that? How hipster is that? But, um, so Hunter, tell people a little about like, what are you guys doing now? And then how is that setting you up for, where you guys are headed, which is really the the cooler thing that I want you to talk about. Totally. Yes. So now uh, we've been here for two and a half years. Um, We left uh, three days after our wedding to move here. Just give a little backstory and moved out here because we just felt like this was the best place for us to step into the things of the Lord. We didn't know where that was. But we knew that there are people here that could help us grow and could cultivate, um, you know, becoming more like Jesus. And so right now, um, my wife and I are, um, we're both creative in nature. And so we're both doing uh, photo and video stuff right now. Um, I'm actually doing nothing with my major. Let me tell you real quick, like Hunter did not ask me to do this, but they are amazing. (laughs) Okay. They are amazing outstanding photographers. Uh, Miranda has taken family photos for us a couple times yeah. and like everything she sends back to us is just like, I, it's just fan. I don't, I can't, I have no words for it, which is a rare thing. Like I, mm. I have words, but the, the, <laughs> the content, the art that Miranda sends back to us is just out of this world. Uh, fantastic. Exactly. So like if you guys need photography, get a hold of Hunter and Miranda. That's awesome. Yes. So, um, yeah, so we, we both do uh, photo and video. Both of our commercial work isn't like super glamorous, I would say right now. We're just doing like real estate stuff and um, I'm doing like promos and stuff, but it's definitely of the Lord to do that. And I work at a coffee shop. And But uh, some of the reasons that we're actually here, other than just doing random work, is um, for ministry. And so we've been a part of a young adults community here for last two years. Um, Miranda and I are shepherds on that community. Um, basically just young adults from 18 to 30, um, who are just seeking after the Lord. Um, even us being on leadership with that is a little bit wild because I mean, Miranda and I are both, uh, she's 25 and 24 and the other, the second youngest is like 35. <laughs> so it's wow. really pretty interesting to even be on that, but you know, it's just the Lord kind of putting you in a place where you're a little bit beyond what you can handle so that he can show up. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the one thing I'm doing right now that's just really exciting is that I get to be uh, in a local high school every Wednesday and Thursday. And we openly get to preach the gospel there. Uh, About 20 kids have been saved this semester. Um, Numerous people healed. And we really just get to share the voice of the Lord like every single week. That is amazing. one of the most liberal high schools in all of the nation. And so it's yeah, it's just the Lord. Like, there's no explanation to it. I didn't know you guys um, were doing that. That is so cool. 
Yeah. So that's amazing. That's literally, I, you know, I think we could have left for Berlin last year, but really I felt like that this is the one reason why the Lord still has us here is just for this time. Okay. Um, now you just kind of threw that yeah. in there. Like it was no big deal. He said, they're going to leave <laughs> for Berlin. Now this is, yeah. now there's a town in Ohio called Berlin and it's spelled <laughs> the exact same as the city in Germany yes. called Berlin. So, yes. all right. So you've been here. You feel like the Lord has kept you in Tacoma and, mm-hmm. and use this opportunity. Uh, but okay, this is yes. your launching pad, right? So yep. you are getting so, ready to m- move as full-time missionaries to Berlin, mm-hmm. Germany. Yeah. So two years ago, well, actually, uh, rather six years ago, I went on a trip to Fiji during Catalyst uh, with a couple named Shane Elizabeth Rowley. And they have always had a heart for the Middle Eastern world. Um, really felt like the Lord has given them directional words to minister to um, Middle Eastern refugees and Muslims. And um, three years ago, they um, jumped into that call uh, with both feet and moved to Berlin, Germany at that time. Um, was kind of like the height of the refugee crisis. And if anybody kind of knows what's still going on, millions of refugees are flooding into Europe uh, to escape war and all that chaos and craziness and all that. And people who uh, used to be completely um, blocked from hearing. Yeah, isolated from the gospel. They could generations and generations, 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 people have never heard the name of Jesus in a way that was be savior are now being open to the gospel. And that's not just the Muslim and uh, Middle Eastern refugees. That's even people who have been on the uh, wrong side of the wall during the war, who's, who are on the communist rule and uh, Europeans who've never heard Jesus as Savior because their families weren't allowed to study religion. So they're, they're called to this place three years ago. We go on a trip two years ago, um, help them move over there. And the Lord kind of shows up just some radical ways, uh, just some really like deep encounters with him. And I start to get the sense of like, Oh shoot, this might not just be like a one-off trip. This might be something that's like kind of important. And so we're processing through that. Now I I have a real, I have a real quick question about that. Uh, Mm -hmm. was, was Miranda, so Miranda was on that same trip with you, right? Yep. Okay. Was, was she feeling the same things, uh, as you were, and was she feeling it like separate from you? And then when you guys talked about it, it was like, mm-hmm. hey, oh my goodness, you too. How, how did yeah. that work? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I would say I'm a kind of person who, if they get an inclination on something, will kind of just jump in. Like I don't really need a whole lot to be like, yeah, let's do it. Um, Miranda, however, is like, praise God, a little bit more rational and is like, is that actually Lord? Does that make sense? I feel like you Should just really described into that. Yeah, I feel like you just described um, Stacia and I. She's definitely the more rational, and I'm like, yeah, let's go. And so when I really thought about it, I'm like, you know what? I actually don't have peace about moving here yet. But that yet was there, and for both of us, it was there. Yeah, it wasn't. We never feel it this way. It's just we don't feel like this is right yet. And so, and looking at it now, it makes a ton of sense. We came back that next year was really a time where our church community. Um, was going through a lot of change, definitely needed more leaders. And so we were able to kind of take that place and step into it. And we really weren't ready to be in Berlin. Like we just, we weren't ready spiritually. I would say we just weren't ready to become um, missionaries yet. I I mean, you don't, I don't really know how to explain that unless you've prepared for something large and you're just like 
getting to that place where you're actually ready. It's kind of like having a kid. Like, you know, I've heard that, you know, when you're ready to, to have a child and that's kind of what it's like. It's like, you're matured enough. You've kind of experienced enough things where you're like, okay, I think I'm ready to actually lay my life down. Cause what we're doing is we're actually choosing to lay our lives down, our desires, um, our jobs, anything of comfort. We're choosing to let it go and just agree that this is the Lord. And yeah. that just took a time to get to that point. Wow. And so a little bit of what I was saying, uh, we went to that first trip, didn't feel it was right. The second trip, Miranda and I um, were asked to lead. And so Miranda and I are leading this trip to Europe. Once again, 24-year-olds leading like 10 people to Europe, all of which I think there was one person younger than us, totally feeling like unqualified of like, Lord, what are you doing? Like, why would you even let us lead this trip? seems insane. Um, But the trip goes forth, and and during that time, (laughs) Miranda said to the Lord, Lord, if you show me – if you show me just like a rainbow to just um, make it clear that we're supposed to move here and then – we're like walking that day and she sees this truck that has like 28 rainbows on it. And I was like, uh, she's like, that doesn't count. It has to be real. I'm like, okay. And so that we didn't actually say yes there. We had been asked to consider moving when we were there by the missionaries that were there. Um, and we, we didn't say yes. We knew that it actually wasn't wise to say yes, because you're wanted. You need to be say yes, because the Lord's saying it. That's such so, a great point. We just knew if you make it, if you make a move, if you say yes to something because people want you to do it, you can get burnt out and not have the resources because it may not be of the Lord. And so yeah. it was just that wisdom of actually like, okay, Lord, is this your heart? And really, the Lord just kind of made it clear, like, yes, this is my heart. I want you to be. I want you there. I'm going to provide for it. And because really, you don't want to jump into something that's going to be crazy if the Lord's not on it. Cause then you have to pay your way. Yeah. That's awful. <laughs> like yeah. if it's the Lord's will, then it's the Lord's bill. So we're going to let him do that. <laughs> I love still. that. If it's the Lord's will, it's the Lord's <laughs> bill. That's good. Yes. <laughs> okay. And it's going to be, and the Lord's going to provide. And we're super excited about that. Like even at this point, we're like not even close to being like supported and ready, but we're still even being so far away. We're still like being so far away support wise, but like, so just believing that the Lord's going to provide in these next five months. I'm just like, you know what? Like, I don't know exactly how it comes together, but I know it's the Lord and I know hundred percent that he's got it. Cause he wants us there. He said it. And so it's believing that word and understanding this is the timing of the Lord. And so we don't know what it looks like, but he's going to make it work. And so this is another one of those examples of like where the facts don't necessarily line up with the truth. Yep. So the facts are like, yeah, we don't have money. We don't know that we have mm-hmm. jobs, but we know the word of the Lord and yeah. um, and I also think that uh, this is really important time to like honor you and Miranda and and also have this like teaching pointer about the importance of community because mm. I know that your process has 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 been totally inclusive of community uh, mm. not only in Tacoma but you know you and Miranda sat in uh, my living room and talked to Station yeah. I about this too. Uh, yeah. which I just think was such an honor to be, you know, involved in part of this conversation. But, um, you know, like uh, me by myself, uh, devoid of community can have the word of the Lord and it could mm-hmm. be, the word could be completely accurate, but the timing could be way off. And so yeah. I think that it's in the context of community that um, we can get a lot of clarity around timing 
um, because we're inviting other people into the process to say, maybe not necessarily, we're not looking to somebody else to say, hey, give me direction for my life, but we're saying, hey, this is what we feel the Lord is saying. Can you provide some confirmation? Does this feel right to you? Yeah, absolutely. And and I love that it's that um, that has really been you and Miranda's process. Um, so I really honor that. Uh, so, mm-hmm. okay, so you guys are headed to Berlin in five months. Is that correct? Yep. yep. The okay. end of June. Okay. And how can people, um, like I want people who are listening to this, I, well, first of all, I want to say that, um, you know, I believe that you guys going there is uh, definitely in, in line with uh, what's happening globally in the church mm-hmm. uh, around preparing for the billion soul harvest. Uh, you know, I think that you guys are, are, are part of the laborers that, um, Jesus talks about. I think it's in Matthew where he's like, pray to the Lord of the harvest to thrust forth, thrust forth the, the, the laborers, right? Cause the fields mm-hmm. are white and ready. And so I, I honor that. And I see that you guys are part of that thrusting forth and that you, um, like that your fruit that you're reaping is going to be great. Um, because, because of your yes, like there's going to be, um, a, a, a huge harvest because of your yes. And I love that. And Mm -hmm. I honor that. Um, but I want to, I, because I love you guys. And again, I want to make it clear that Hunter did not ask me to do this in any way, but Hunter, will you tell people, uh, where they can go to support you, uh, how they can get plugged into supporting, uh, what you and Miranda are doing and where you guys are headed, whether that's financially or through prayer, um, t- tell people where they can go to support you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So <clears throat> we're essentially transitioning our business website into, um, our mission space. And so you'll just end up going to www.therazos.com. Just our name, the Razos, and we'll have this linked on, uh, like, on our Instagram page and stuff, and and uh, yes. I'll see about if we. Can, I don't know if we can. Well, we'll have it. We'll have links available for people. So if you're listening to this Perfect. and you're in your car or something, we'll make sure to have it uh, someplace where you can click it too. Yeah, and uh, essentially, there's going to be a link there that's going to lead you uh, to a giving page, and <laughs> the giving page looks really nondescript and like. What in the world? Um, part of that is due to the fact that the um, funding system that we're going through is used to support a lot of Middle Eastern um, uh, missionaries. So it has to be pretty nondescript so that it doesn't uh, raise any flags because obviously Christianity is not too popular in the Middle East. Got and it. so you get to the page <laughs> and you're like, is this really it? Yes, it is. It does look a little bit outdated. Um, and then there's a code, uh, which I'll send you as well, but it's just uh, berlin.serve. And so that's basically our code links you to our actual support and then you can become a monthly supporter or a one-time. And so, uh, yeah, we're just looking for people, one, that would be, uh, financial supporters. The cost of living in Europe is obviously a little bit crazy and we don't have a favorable trade. And so, or favorable, uh, what do you call it? Currency exchange. Okay. So we need a pretty big amount, like $4,500 a month, uh, for people, uh, to come alongside us and partner with that kingdom fruit. And then the other part is just like people that want to uh, join us in prayer support. And these are people that want to get like monthly, um, uh, bi-monthly or monthly uh, email updates of what we're doing and how they can support us. And you can sign up for uh, the prayer support by literally just emailing hunter at the com. We'll send that email as well. But those are people that just really want to, they're prayer warriors. They know their intercessors from the Lord and they just want to, 
I believe on our half and agree with uh, the things the Lord are doing. Great. Thanks so much for that. Um, yeah. What are the top three? Now, I know people can email you, but like, what are the, mm-hmm. the top one or two ways that people can pray for you right now mm-hmm. as you're mm-hmm. preparing to go? Yep. Yeah. Number one is just going to be um, really just like preparation. So there's some pretty like, I would just say logistical things and the, the language. Obviously, we need to learn German. Um, it's kind of funny. We need to learn German so that we can speak to the refugees who are fluent in Arabic because they don't speak English. They speak German. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to learn German so we can speak to Arabic-speaking people. Or the <laughs> Lord needs to just divinely give us the Arabic tongue. Um, and then the second thing is just grace for – it's a little bit further out, but in five months we're going to have that interview for our visa. And the way that it works in Germany, there's not really a set cut and dry, like this is what you need to have. This is how you get approved. It's really honestly based on the person that's interviewing, whether or not they they feel like you should get approved for the visa. And wow. so prayer for breakthrough in that. Um, obviously, the Lord told us we're going to be there, so I'm not scared about that. But yeah. we obviously want to bind any schemes the enemy, making it more difficult than it needs to be. Yep. And then number three um, – just people that like come out the woodwork and they're like, yes, we want to agree with you. We want to be on your team, uh, either with prayer or finances. And we just want to agree that this is uh, the way of the Lord that we would send you forth. I love, yeah, I love that. That's so good. Well, mm-hmm. um, I want to honor you, Hunter. We're going to wrap things up here. We're out of time, but I just want to honor you in front of the audience. Uh, and to say that even as I'm listening to you, that I can hear, uh, like in your voice, um, there's maturity and, in, and authority, like increased maturity, increased authority in your voice, uh, even even from the last time that, that we were together, which was uh, mm. uh, like in June, I think, um, wow. out there. And so I, I, I honor that. I can tell that the Lord's doing things awesome. in you and um, preparing you to go. And, and so I love mm. that. And uh, so anyway, thanks, thanks uh, for uh, taking time to be with us. Yeah, Hunter, really appreciate it. I know um, trying to get the timing right, uh, you know, across the country was tricky, but, <laughs> um, and this is the second time that we, or maybe the third time that we've tried to connect. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that it finally worked. But like mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, I want to invite you now just to close us in prayer yeah. and just mm-hmm. um, whatever the Holy Spirit's saying, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's around something that we already talked about or He brings something else mm-hmm. uh, to your mind, I, um, I'm just kind of yeah. giving you the mic to just pray for our listeners. Totally. Yeah, Jesus, I just bless everyone who's listening uh, right now, Uh, whether this is like 10 months or two days. I just thank you that the reason and the timing for them to come to this um, is for them, that it's not a happenstance that they just randomly chose to listen to it on this day. But we just agree, Lord, that that you have some breakthrough for them right now. Um, Holy Spirit, beyond what I've even said, would you release discernment and understanding of uh, things I've received. I thank you, God, that wisdom isn't always something that we've received. Sometimes it's literally just things given to us by you from other people. I'm sorry, Holy Spirit, I just pray increase in wisdom and discernment. Anything that I've said that's been from you, God, would you just, uh, increase in these listeners, just ways of wisdom and discernment. God, I pray that anybody who's listening, Jesus, that you would, one, show them that they're leaders. Uh, anybody who's with Christ is a leader. It's just the reality of the gospel that you don't have to be some set apart person that's doing something crazy 
anybody who's in Christ is a leader because they have the Holy Spirit in them. And that's different than the rest of the world without you. So we just pray for that discernment, that understanding, that revelation today that their voice matters and that in Christ they have authority and power. We also pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to remind us of just our necessity to have you in our lives. The humility of knowing that, God, we are absolutely nothing without you. and We need you so desperately. We need you to come and revive our hearts and show us uh, who you are and who uh, the people around us are. And the, the, the need and the desire of your heart to go out into the nations, into our nation and uh, further out, Jesus. We ask Jesus for dreams and visions in the night, just like my Muslim friends are having, God, visions of you in the night that are just revelatory opportunities for you to reveal yourself. We pray that in America, God, that there would be revivals, that there would just be like a a waking up and that people would see you and they would know you, that all the shame, condemnation, guilt of, oh, Jesus doesn't love me. I'm not that good. All that stuff would break even right now, that there would just be a shift in the spirit and there would just be a, a move forward in knowing I'm a child of God, and that doesn't just mean that I'm going to get by. It means that he has a plan for me, that he has words for me. He'll yeah. speak to me. I don't have to be a prophet for him to speak to me. That's right. I just have to be a child. And as yep. a child, I receive the voice of the Lord, receive that he has good and kind words for me, and he wants new life and abundance over me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, send our love to Miranda and again, yes, uh, and Indigo. The, we didn't get to talk yes. about Indigo, the amazing uh, dog. They, they did yes. not name their child Indigo, although I, I think I've heard of babies being named Indigo. That's fine. Oh, uh, yeah. but, but they're furry baby. He's, or she's mm-hmm. a sweet one. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, Hunter, thanks so much for your time and, and for your service for the Lord. And mm-hmm. for those of you who are listening, thanks again uh, so much for sitting down with us and going and...